0: The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. Time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. And I watched uh, Ant Man?
1: Uh, Anthony Ant Man.
0: Anthony Ant Man, mm. yes. <laughs> yes. As opposed to uh, Stefan Spider yes. Man.
1: Yes. Spider Guard
2: mannequin.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't think Anthony Mackie has ever won a fight. Like, I- the Falcon <laughs> does not win fights.
2: Okay. He's still alive. He's just he, a dude. He beat the uh, one of the Helicarriers in Cap 2, if that counts for anything. I mean, he lost against Ant-Man. Ant-Man was an unknown quantity. I don't know. I'm on Falcon's side in this. Ex- some, okay. Okay, so like the thing is, okay. So I get what you were trying to say, which was that
1: like it would be more effective for a man who has who can win fights to choose to be a therapist and to talk it out, right?
0: Yes. That's that's the aspect of the character that I think would be really fascinating.
1: I I like the idea that like that I don't know for me it kind of magnifies that he's just a dude the fact that he barely that he at, at, at best he draws
0: right he he does not win fist fights no
1: um ever but i i like the idea that like in in you know in a world where like you know most of the protagonist characters can and do win in a fist fight you have a character who doesn't um but that does not stop him from heading, you know, head first into a fight, yeah, um, and and choosing and still choosing to to try to talk things out. I, I I don't know, maybe it does come across as like I have to talk it out or else I'm gonna die, but I I think <laughs> I think his sincerity, at least to me, especially when he was talking to like Carly in the yeah. Falcon and in, in the Winter Soldier series, uh, for me really feels like. That is the that is the character, he has to fight, be- because he has to. That's the world. And that stuff
0: was too. good. That's among the best stuff that the series did.
1: Yeah, that's the most cap yeah. moment in that. I mean that, and when he, when he talks to a bunch of senators like they're children, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I I enjoy <laughs> anytime old white people can get put in their place.
0: speaking of putting old white people into places it's the superhuman registration podcast where we rank the works of a lot of old white people and sometimes not uh well like i think uh it is kind of not an indictment that's the wrong word but most of what we read is the work of old white men we've read a lot of stuff from young white men and we do try to read stuff from other types of Men, and sometimes women, too. And, oh boy. um,
2: Here's your shovel, whitey. Keep digging. (laughs)
0: Yeah, okay. So how are you guys doing tonight?
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty good because my whiteness is not on full display yet, like yours. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Steven, do you think... Do you think... I mean, we're... uh, Like, Aldo and I have gone back a while now. Do you think I should wait to ask him for a restaurant recommendation for Cinco de Mayo, given his present... um, uh, anti-white stance right now. Rediwanna? Uh, Carlos? <laughs> Carlos is really good, I've heard. I was, uh, making a list and, um, checking laughed it to myself that <laughs> gonna find out whose alpha store is nice. <laughs> John is going for tacos tomorrow <laughs>
0: I think my favorite part of this conversation is all just like oh, I've heard all of these restaurants are good. Why should I have any more inside knowledge than that?
1: <laughs> uh, chungas, if you just want al pastor. Oh my I cannot recommend Chungas. That's top of my Second list is more yeah. cuz I was gonna
0: This is one of my favorite restaurants. I was
2: double checking cuz you had recommended that before cuz mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. If you want if magical. you want the
1: bang for your buck though, uh big big tortas, it's really good. Uh-huh. Okay. Um that's just the name. They're big tortas. And you
2: know what? They are big, and they're (laughs) tortas. Both, both, both things are good. Mm -hmm. Wait, but which location? Oh my gosh! There's Sur 39 and Big Tacos and Sur 54. That's all. It's all the same.
1: yeah they're,
0: they're the same, same. yeah they okay. are the same mm-hmm. I, i'm just mm-hmm. reading addresses like, i used Hispanic. to live smack dab between both of them and so i would go to either depending on which one was closer at the moment and they're both good
1: yeah when i used to live when i used to live with my parents uh, there was one like down the road and uh, boy that could have been a really dark time for my health but it wasn't
2: <laughs> <laughs> no in college i lived behind a little caesars it was bad yeah <laughs> Because it was right there. <laughs> <laughs> when
0: when the pandemic hit and the Salt Lake governor was like, hey, eat a lot of takeout, you know? Just eat a lot of takeout and support your local businesses. Uh, I think Chunga's was the first restaurant we went to.
2: Nice. Yeah, yeah nice. it was
0: real good.
1: I really like their... Uh, their I mean, they, they offer other choices, but don't.
0: don't. Yeah, so the, it
1: that's is. like going to McDonald's okay. and asking for a salad. Just because they have it (laughs) doesn't mean you should get it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Speaking of McDonald's, uh, we have... A couple of interesting stories tonight, one of which involves some some fast food crime
2: sprees. Oh my gosh, I was like, this is the ba- this is like a backwards weird segue he's making, and then I was like, oh, holy crap, there are evil clowns that represent a fast food chain in this story. It was way more straightforward Amazing. than you thought it was going to be. Amazing, Steven, <laughs> this is why he gets paid the big bucks. Wait, he gets paid?
0: <laughs> yeah. Guarantee that I do not.
2: He gets paid in friendship
1: and conversations with adults.
0: And experience. That are not...
1: <laughs> conversations that did not revolve around work.
0: Conversations with adults about kid stuff. Love it. Yeah. Um, so, we got two stories to, to read and rank tonight. Uh, we've got the, the environmental superhero team, Brute Force. And we've got the... I don't know if this is like a retelling or the initial telling of the Silver Surfer's origin story in this much detail, uh, but the, the Stan Lee, John Byrne, Silver Surfer graphic novel, uh, like exercise origin yeah. story from 82. a while back?
2: <laughs> just Yeah, it's yeah. the one from 82. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's filling in some details that hadn't been explored, but maybe hinted at. But yeah, nailing down some what happened uh, to the planet when Silver Surfer left kind of deal.
0: Indeed. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Brute Force? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do we want to... Okay. I,
2: I think... I don't know. Personally, I think Silver Surfer is much more straightforward, and it'll be a, a more positive discussion with um, less critique than of Brute Force. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start guessing. with Silver
0: Surfer then. <laughs> I'm easy. Oh,
2: I was... <laughs> I was saying the opposite, but we can do Silver Surfer now.
0: Oh, well then let's start with uh, Brute Force. <laughs> like I said, easy.
2: Okay, let's do
1: Brute Force.
0: So, Brute Force is a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have a scientist working for an organization called Multicorp, who uh, just wants to put animals in robot suits. Uh But in the middle of uh, this very delicate experiment on a gorilla, a group of evil clowns break in and steal his work. When he reports it, he kind of gets brushed off. He gets frustrated with the way Multicorp is handling things. Uh, He thinks he has an idea of who did it because he recognizes the, the masks that the clown burglars wore. Uh, is coming from this particular, uh, restaurant chain called Tasty Burger. So, from that he deduces that, uh, Multicorp is bad, they need to be taken down, and in order to do that he takes the remaining robot suit equipment and, uh, he equips a whole bunch of other animals to form a fighting squad called Brute Force. There is an eagle named Soar who thinks he's the leader. There is a bear named Reckless, a lion named Lionheart, a kangaroo named Hip-Hop, and then a dolphin named Surfstreak. I think the dolphin is technically supposed to be the leader, but the eagle thinks it's the leader. No, none of them are technically
2: the leader. They, they're not really. They're leaders. not an organized team.
1: <laughs> yeah. Listen, you can take that from me because I'm not lying.
0: This is the caliber of joke we're going to have tonight. <laughs> we might as well shut it down now. Uh, oh, I don't know. That's only like marginally did better that. than Reckless's primary weapon, which is the bearzooka.
2: Yeah. He, do you realize that he did that on porpoise?
0: Okay, there isn't even a porpoise in this.
2: <laughs> you know what? Calm down, oh, Steven. Nitpick. We haven't
1: even gotten to the main event. <laughs> Unless you want to... Uh, unless you want to pause on this episode right now.
2: we should probably keep going. He's got his, he's got his claws dug in. He's committed to the bit.
1: I hate this. I, he's I hate so it. mad.
2: He's so mad. Uh,
1: I guess you could say it's
2: unbearable.
1: Uh, so
0: anyway...
2: This is a beast of an episode already. Oh man
1: you know the 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 best part is we're not even trying to force these uh puns in here
2: <laughs> So anyway, kangaroo. There we go. <laughs> What happens next, Steven? I am on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so,
0: Brute Force, the, this group of animal uh, environmental soldiers, uh, starts trying to uh, like monitor the environmental situation across the globe. Uh, meanwhile, the multicorp bad guys have put together more evil animals in animal suits, uh, led by the gorilla. Uh, this is a group called Heavy Metal, and, oh gosh, their names, I can't even, I don't even remember what they all are.
2: Shark, Octopus, Gorilla, and everyone had like a, like a, oh, there's a vulture.
0: There's a vulture and a rhino.
2: Rhino, there we go, yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so, because of the bad animals that are causing all sorts of problems, the good animals that are trying to fix all the problems are also, like, shunned and feared by humanity uh they wind up framing the the scientists for uh like wrecking this this oil tanker and the scientist whose name is dr Pierce uh gets arrested by the FBI and so brute force uh they team up with this other environmental agency to try to uh make good in the world they uh intervene at this heavy polluting factory and then they have a showdown with heavy metal and they triumph uh over the bad guys and then it's time for them to go on to more wild and wacky hijinks which never really happened
1: until the bear gets murdered by wolverine
0: yeah the bear gets murdered by (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. that's like not cool guys
1: Uh, that also happened like uh Twenty nine years later,
2: <laughs> Deadpool. They were like, "Let's scrape the bottom of the barrel, and this is it." Like, I I don't know of any. I I can't believe it. I just yeah. Yeah,
1: I did find the names of uh, all the heavy metals.
0: Oh, what are they? Could you list those off?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually gonna make a joke about the actual like heavy metals in the elements table, but decided not to. because um, that's that's smart yeah. humor, and that's not my brand.
2: But could be taken for <laughs> granted.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, uproar is the gorilla ramrod is the rhino uh, bloodbath is the shark
0: bloodbath. That's the one I was thinking of. It's like, it's, it's needlessly grim.
1: Yeah. Tailgunner uh, tail gunner is the vulture, which I, for some reason I kept thinking it was a turkey, but I was like, that's not very menacing. <laughs> um, and then armory is the
2: octopus. Cause he's got a lot of arms. Is it because oh. he's got a lot of arms?
1: Yeah. Yeah how many times you know how many times an octopus can tickle you? Ten. Ten tickles.
2: <laughs> Alright, Steven, I have a solution. <laughs> we don't feed Aldo Laffy Taffies before we record because he just gives him fuel. Gives him joke fuel. <laughs> oh goodness.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah. I, um, I just it's- I just want to point out I know that dolphins are cute and all. But I'm just saying if any animal was going to be the villain, it should have been the dolphin, knowing what I know about dolphins. Um, and <laughs> yeah. the shark the shark should have been on the good guy's team. but no, we have to cave in to these to these unscientifically found stereotypes of dolphins and sharks.
0: Well here's the other thing though, like the dolphin doesn't look. Cute. Most of the time on panel, the the dolphin is drawn with a little bit of an underbite, which is normal, I think, for dolphins. Dolphins do have a bit of, like, an underbite. But also, his whole snout situation is curved downward. Anyway, before we go much further, I want to rattle off the creative team real fast. So, uh, Brute Force was written by Simon Furman. Uh, Pencils by Jose Delbo. Inks by Mike DiCarlo. Letters by Janice Cheng, colors by Nell Yomtov, and the characters were developed by Charles Viola. I looked, I wasn't able to find anything else about Charles Viola. I It seemed yeah. like there might have been a story behind that, and I couldn't figure it out.
2: Well, uh, yeah, because you want to gather all guilty parties and, you know, serve them subpoenas at the same time so they can't run. Oh, come on, it
0: wasn't that bad.
2: It wasn't that good. I didn't hate, I didn't... <laughs> there were parts of it i didn't hate i didn't hate the art mostly what i did hate was that looking at when this came out and what they were trying to accomplish with it because there's no subtlety here whatsoever no subtlety but it came out in 1990 it was clearly an attempt to you know make a new toy line and they were like it's like transformers but animals and i was like oh crap I was the target demographic for this. You know, this was like, <laughs> you, you, this is like seeing the bullet that could have killed you kind of thing. Uh,
0: what if Ninja Turtles, but Captain Planet?
2: Exactly. It's a little Ninja Turtles. It's a little Transformers. It's a whole lot of garbage.
1: <laughs> but, you have a, but you have a
2: bear in a metal tank top, though. Yeah, see, that's the thing. On, on some <laughs> level, you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> this dolphin has arms and legs. Look at him go. And then you and look a at it an in and you go, oh, yeah, and a gun. They all have guns. Oh. Nope.
0: Reckless has a zuka.
2: I wanted to bring up the varying degrees of intelligence awarded to these animals by their creator, enabler, whatever Pierce is. Sometimes the bear speaks in broken sentences and the lion too, but the eagle and the... Dolphin are trading rifts back and forth, and they seem like they have some kind of idea of strategy, while at the same time failing at it terribly. There's just... Like, they don't make sense as a cohesive unit, and I don't understand why they kind of are intelligent, and they can fight, but they also can't speak like there was just a lot of inconsistencies there.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's some level of like I don't know, uh genre awareness, trope awareness where, you know, the bear and the lion are big and strong and therefore they have to be slower and dumber, whereas the dolphin and the eagle are like slight and therefore they need to be quicker and uh more intelligent. The thing that loses me is the kangaroo named Hip Hop listens oh. to like m- pop music on his Walkman all the time.
2: That that was so. Uh, speaking of old white guys, like it was just like we're gonna appeal to children. It's a kangaroo, and he likes music. Ha-ha, his name is Hip Hop because he hops, and Hip Hop music type of music.
0: Ha-ha, uh, f- ha-ha. Clearly,
2: ahead of its time. Oh, because of, because <laughs> of that uh, that kangaroo uh,
1: movie. I forgot the name. Kangaroo Jack?
2: Yeah. No, but see, people were still all, like, into Australia, like, in a big way, because Crocodile Dundee had come out. Probably Crocodile Dundee 2, I believe.
0: Yeah, you remember that time that we were all, like, obsessed with Australia? That was super weird, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I blame Steve Irwin. This was before even, like, Crocodile Hunter. This was all, like, this was all, uh, what's his name? I wanted to say Mick Dundee, but the actor Paul Hogan. Yeah, Paul Hogan, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: So, here's the thing. Like, when I was reading this story, I was like, okay, This is not, in and of itself, a bad concept. There are a lot of little things that kind of work for me, like the way that the animals all get the suits, and then they all have very strong personalities that don't always mesh. They don't work together super well. Um, The first time I read the word barzooka, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Um, And so, like, it was interesting, because I had a lot of different thoughts going through my head. One was, I kind of wish they'd leaned all the way into the comedy,
2: because yes. this has been
0: like a slapstick sort of series. I might have been more into it. But I also kind of got this thought, what if they played it more straight? What if they wrote the animals with more pathos, with more, like, uh, I don't know, sympathy? And that was interesting because it got me thinking about a, a comic by Grant Morrison from probably about ten years ago called We Three. Which is about... Uh, cat, a dog, and a rabbit that get put into, like, giant robot suits, and they are really efficient at murdering things. Jeez. But then you, like, read up on the series and uh, these characters and their later appearances in Marvel Comics, and, you know, Weapon 2... Which was part of the line of the Weapon X program, uh, which, you know, Weapon X was turned into Weapon 10 by Grant Morrison. Uh, Turns out Weapon 2, so the second iteration of this project, was all about putting uh, animals or weaponry on animals, experimenting on animals. Um, apparently it was implied that these characters, Brute Force, were part of the Weapon 2 program. And Grant Morrison also intended to imply that, um, the animals from Wii 3 were also part of the Weapon 2 program. So it's just interesting to me that my head first went to, like, Grant Morrison and Wii 3, and then this all winds up being sort of metatextually connected. None of that actually makes the story any better. Just like the idea, <laughs> though, is interesting.
2: At least they tied it in. Yeah.
1: I, I was gonna say, I if the story had taken itself a little bit more serious, and I, kinda like you mentioned, like leaned into the pathos, I think the whole idea of like giving these animals sentience only to make them into weapons uh, to serve kind of like a singular purpose would have been a really good kind of moral and maybe philosophical dilemma,, uh, but instead uh, bare go Burr uh, yeah, <laughs> um, which I mean <laughs> you know there's a I, I didn't mind it. Like I actually quite enjoyed this because it was it was kind of like that level of kind of dumb, which i it's an environmental book. I don't feel like environmental books ever try to be like dumb books right because it's it's a good message if you're writing about that is because that's something that like you are to some degree a passionate about or concerned about and they do that right like they have that one issue where they're all patrolling stuff because the whole point is like i want you to see how messed how how much humans are messing up the environment but you need to be able to see it and not act for whatever reason and uh so like you have like that that moment there right but something about the book I don't know maybe it's a dolphin in a mechanical suit with arms and legs and a gun Uh, just kind of makes it feel like it's a bit of a
2: like a dumb book
0: (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) you (laughs) can't
2: it's Aldo a, gets into four issues, and he's like, "Hey, wait, is this dumb? It's <laughs> <laughs> dumb. Hey, this is a this is a pile just, of garbage.
1: It's just one of those things that, like, I I like it because it's kind of a dumb book, but at the same time, it's a book about environmentalism. So I feel like it's not actively trying to be dumb, but it uh, that's it's it's a byproduct of featuring animals in robot suits." <laughs>
2: It's the least subtle thing I think we've read, apart from that panel, uh, I, I don't know, I, go, I think of Ghost Rider when he's, I, I have nowhere else to turn to, better call Satan, you know. <laughs> I thought
1: I thought you were going to reference the, uh, that Avengers book where uh, where you had to uh, drink water and eat your vegetables. That was oh, very subtle. Oh,
2: I blocked that out, yeah, No, i nope, here to unlock that. That was not a work of fiction, that was a work of feces. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is... There's there's pieces of things that I like. It's almost like someone who had a vague idea of stuff kids are into at the time. Like, commissioned a book. They're like, ah, you know, put robots and uh, cool animals in it. And yeah, you know, do that. Like, they took the scene from Bedknobs and Broomsticks where the two opposing teams of animals play soccer. And then they, like, cranked it up. And... It's bad. I also wanted to point out they straight up ripped a line from uh, Jungle Book on page 5 of issue 4 when uh, the uh, hip-hop is jumping over a fence. He says, this job needs brains as well as brawn and I'm loaded with both. That's straight up a blue line and I will not stand for it.
1: <laughs> okay, but uh, but on the alternate uh, side of that, uh, I like when the lion decided he needs to be the the, the person who's good at the stuff and the stuff that they're good at isn't very nice. And he's like, There's a time for lambs and there's a time for lions.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's, oh man, there's no subtlety whatsoever.
0: (laughs) Okay, but there kind of is though. Because like, this is supposed to be a book about environmentalism, right? And there's not much actual like environmentalism in it? No. In a weird way? It's like, it's kind of Captain Planet level environmentalism, but not even that overt, where it's like why are they here? Oh, I guess, I guess it's an oil tanker or something? Okay, why are they here? Oh, I guess it's like a big polluting thing. But like, the villains aren't you know, even Captain Planet level, we are trying to destroy the planet because it is fun, or whatever. They're just doing stuff. They're, they're, it's like very generic business bad guy stuff.
2: Yeah, this is this is straight up uh, Tex Richman from the new Muppets movie. I say new, it's 10 years old, but... You
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, both, jo- or both Jose Delbo and Simon Furman worked on Transformers comics for Marvel. There you go. Oh. <laughs> it's just interesting, all of these associations we had uh as we were reading there turns out to be some weird metatextual connection that's it, it, just interesting to me
1: this book uh released uh
2: 3 months after i was born so there's another connection oh boy. there you go
0: all right yeah we we were fated to read this
2: they could have had this thing where it was we we gave the gift of intelligence to these animals and gave them the choice and told them what was happening with the earth and they chose to fight back it's like mother nature's sending in its soldiers they could have like done it from that angle you know instead it was like i'm gonna put this big mech suit on this kangaroo and just send it out Let's just set it loose you know it, it just uh, just yeah. like, hey hey go fight these bad guys and they're okay i'm on board like you know i i'm i'm equipped for the job because I'm a I'm an animal in a suit and you know we were missing a lot of that kind of setup it was really oh just
1: yeah I I like that idea that you kind of uh, like I don't know kind of threw out there which is you know what if we gave the animals you know intelligence and they saw like what was being done to the earth and they were like hey buddy I live here and then they went crazy and then Dr. Pierce is like hey hey how would you like to channel that anger into something Equally destructive but productive.
2: <laughs> and then they just they just kill poachers with extreme yeah. prejudice.
1: And then we could have had that Craven the Hunter uh crossover.
2: Oh, man, okay. they would have wrecked Craven the Hunter. He would have taken out, like, two or three of them. But eventually, like, they got a bazooka. He can't stand up to that. You can backflip all you want and try to make your nets and hunt them and stalk them. But, like, you get hit with a bazooka, you're going to go down.
0: I just remembered there is a bit of pathos in this. You remember how the dolphin accidentally kills one of those, like, toxic animals? Oh, yeah. And gets all beaten up over it? Yeah, oh, he gosh. shoots
1: it with, like, clean water.
0: Yeah, clean water is apparently toxic to toxic animals, I guess.
1: It's like a healthy relationship to a toxic boyfriend.
0: Clean water and and pollution are like matter and antimatter.
1: I like my analogy better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what it is is like pick a lane, right? You've got all the goofy stuff, you do have uh-huh. some serious stuff. Uh, it doesn't really commit to either and it doesn't pull either off super well, but I, I I am surprised at how much I was like, "Oh, I want this to be good. I want this to be good." It's, it. I, I don't like it. It's not good. But I want it to be good so bad.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I'm i a little disappointed the Heavy Metal uh, team was not using Gorilla Warfare to attack. What? To attack the no, brute force. Stop that.
0: <laughs>
2: stop that.
1: No, I had it, I had it ready.
2: Oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> um, it... <sighs> okay. Uh, My favorite part in the whole books, like all four comics, the whole thing, is the guy who's like, wait, those thieves were wearing fast food masks. That must mean that McDonald's is behind this.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not the, not the troop of Ronald McDonald's who, you know, all showed up and left in the same one teeny tiny getaway car, but... Oh, the masks, yeah. And he only noticed that because his son threw away a wrapper. And his son doesn't come into the story in the other ones. The other three issues. It's just like no. a one and done. I have a son. Now I'm a criminal. Here come the FBI. Like, yeah, just a mess.
0: A mess. It's like, it's like if, if, you know, Point Break happened and everybody was like, Man, I can't believe those presidents of the United States were behind this crime. <laughs>
2: Hey, wait a second. I think that might not have been really them.
1: Oh, gosh. Actually, about, talking about, like, our, uh, our favorite things is, uh, I do like the fact that they have a...
0: <laughs> Did
1: they capture one of the terrorists? Okay, so they have, like, this weird plot where, like, uh, was it Multicorp? hires yeah. ter- Like, fake terrorists to put itself... To, to hold up its own, like, facility uh, under danger so that the heavy metal
2: animals can come in and save big Big terrorist sounds like you're calling out some brand name and it's like if you don't have your own terrorists yeah that's what it sounds like when you're like he hires out big
1: terrorists like Like kroger brand terrorists Um, (laughs) but uh but i like that that the brute force (laughs) animals capture one of the fake terrorists and and like they're interrogating him but mm. but not brute force. Uh, what what are they called like, fresh air? I think is the name of the environmental group.
2: Yeah.
0: There there's fresh air and there's the other one. Uh, there's another environmental group that they bring up.
1: Anyway, well. so so presumably fresh air meltdown. Oh okay.
0: It's called meltdown. Ah. Uh,
1: anyway, so fresh air is trying to like interrogate him and like they're not getting anything out of him, and then the lion just kind of sneaks in. <laughs> And he he spills the beans and then like the FBI catches him and, and, you know, Frost is just like, ah, he's not going to talk, right? He's like, no. And then the lion just kind of looks at him and he's like, I'll tell you everything you want to know, man.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, gosh. (sighs) This, books like this really make me appreciate the work done in like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Usagi Yojimbo, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because f- funny animals. Uh, talking about the the genre or the the trope, I guess, of the funny animal, uh, they're harder to do right than you'd think.
1: I've been recently reading through the through the IDW uh, TMNT stuff, right? The, the the newer stuff. Oh,
0: those are so good. They are.
1: They're they're so excellent.
0: Those are so good. I read like five years of it in a row. It's so good.
1: <laughs> and, and it's one of those things, you know, like you said, it kind of makes you a pretty... Like reading something like this, which is it, <laughs> is it bad. It's not great. It's not bad, though. It's just kind of somewhere in the middle. The problem is you can tell it. It doesn't know what it wants to do or be. So like when you have something like Ninja Turtles or Yusagi board or, or really any of those kind of bigger um like animal books, I think there's another one... Called beasts of burden.
0: Beasts of burden. What if Hellboy was a dog? What if <laughs> What if Banicula, but for adults? Beasts of burden is so good.
1: <laughs> so I, I think I've only read like very little of it. My boss, when I used to work in a comic book store, used to recommend that book to me all the time, and I and I never never read it, but I should. But <laughs> like those, like kind of like those books, like you can, they're they're good, not just because you know they have animals. Which really kind of helps boost any book uh, from the ground floor. But I think it's just, you know, they know, those books know what they want to be. And they know the types of story they want to tell. So the fact that you have like Ninja Turtles, which, you know, on paper is four <laughs> teenage Ninja Turtles doing ninja stuff and fighting a, 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 a ninja clan and their leader is like a six foot tall rat, like sounds really goofy. But the fact that you can get really... Like emotional, serious stories from those, it just it just kind of displays like like not just a skill in writing, but a confidence in the material. Yeah, uh, that this book kind of doesn't have because it like you mentioned earlier, it doesn't know if it really wants to be a comedic book, if it wants to be a serious book about environmentalism, if it wants to be just kind of like a typical superhero book with like the quippy one-liners and you know they're all tripping over each other like it doesn't really know it kind of tips its toes everywhere um but yeah
0: yeah and that's it's interesting to compare this to ninja turtles because ninja turtles does the same thing where it's got really overtly comedic moments and more comical uh moments. I, I'm just thinking about where I dropped off of the new IDW series was when uh Donatello got the crap kicked out of him and I think he was left for dead. I don't oh remember God. if he actually died or not, but I'm
1: yes. I'm also thinking of like uh they're doing that really dark edgy story right now, like the last Ronin, which is like a like a like a story set in the future where all but one of the turtles has died. Uh, and it's kind
2: of one of those Oh geez. is that what that is? Yeah and they don't you, we don't know which one it is, right? I mean, we do at the end of the first issue. Is it's Raphael. No. It's Leonardo.
1: No. Oh. Yeah, exa- exactly. Uh so it's just so it's like one of those things where like I, I don't know, it's it's just I think it takes a certain amount of confidence in the story and the and I guess, you know, your 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 stage um, that you're putting the story on, right? Like you can't if you want to make a like a serious story with a bunch of teenage turtles, like, you have to be confident with it. You can't just... Yeah. You, yeah. This book isn't confident. I guess that's what I've been trying to say for the last ten minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, I really, really hate to do this. Because, like, again, as we like to say, you know, we are amateurs in the realms of writing and art mm-hmm. and character design. And so... Like I'm not sure that I would necessarily do any better. I hate the character designs. They're
1: very. I mean, they're very nineties. Yeah. No, I agree. Not it's, even nineties. They're very 80s. they They're
2: very nineties, and it's yeah. I like, we we read this is from 1990. We read a book from '82, and I feel like the art from '82 is much. But now it's John Byrne, so and like at the height of you know like he was doing um, X Men probably at the same time. Just really great stuff, and this feels worse and more dated
1: though though granted i think i think that's more or less a downside of kind of what they picked to draw which is which is drawing like biomechanical designs for five different animals at at least per issue right every issue so like i I i don't know that just feels like like a big undertaking and it's like well how do we make these designs look robotic but also like how do how do we make them Easier and like I guess more natural to draw, but I'll you know yeah it's kind of like a weird balancing act and like uh, I don't know I don't envy They're them.
0: Weirdly plain, though. Yeah, is the thing. It's just like the bear has a green top and a green bottom, and his little fuzzy tum tum sticking out the bottom. <laughs>
2: The the dolphin's whole get up just like makes me uncomfortable every time I look at it. So like he should not have arms and legs. Ah Yeah. Do do you think his like flippers are like kinda like tucked
1: in like he's hugging himself? Or do you think they're kind of put into the arms?
2: Jeez, perv, I hadn't really thought about it that much. <laughs> 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 Now
1: now that's what I'm thinking about. Now I'm thinking if he's like in the suit like hugging himself
2: <laughs> I think what they probably now you're making me think about it. Ugh. Um, his flipper just goes as far as it can in the armhole and his his tail is just there and maybe he wiggles his left tail part of his fin and it makes the left leg Geez, I don't wanna who cares? I gross, it's bad, it's weird. And also and also I don't what, like it what's
0: the uh, left what's... fins connected to the power glove and the dorsal fins connected to the jet pack and the,
2: the blowholes connect to the mind your own business <laughs> oh
1: gosh also what's the point of getting like an octopus if you're just gonna like, leave it's like soft fleshy tentacles out in the air without any sort of like added protection
2: oh i thought they were covered in like metal like the kangaroo is <laughs> no, like his not head's the
1: tentacles. out tentacles
2: but... Oh.
1: Really, the octopus tentacles are just hanging out. They're just normal tentacles. They're not biomechanical or nothing.
0: Weirdly, I thought the octopus was my favorite design. Oh, you're at, you're right. <laughs> at least according to the cover to issue four. They just
2: put an octopus on a tank. Is that what, all they did? <laughs> pretty pretty much. Like, they just this, made. They this just tank made it... needs an octopus hat. <laughs>
1: they just made it more mobile.
2: Tinctopus.
0: <laughs> I think. I think the octopus is in like. Six panels total Mm -hmm. in the whole four issues. I think it was the hardest one to draw.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because you think... I mean, I've drawn an octopus before. You think you're done and you're like, oh crap, I forgot a tentacle. And that literally happened in Finding Dory, which is why they wrote in the line of dialogue about him being a septopus and not an octopus, because they forgot to friggin' animate one more tentacle. Or... or online lore has led me to believe this i don't know imdb i realize can be you know not always perfectly factual but
1: right. Wait, but who gets on the internet and just
2: lies not that? me but really everyone psychos apparently no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so best part the best experience that i had reading brute force mm-hmm. was scrolling to the bottom of the page in the app where it brings up suggestions for series you might like. (laughs) And it brings up every other title with the word force in it. Because it's like, you you can't have meant this force. You must have meant X-Force, right? Right? Or force works? Yeah. Cy-Force, come on.
2: This is one of those that, like, you know, you watch the wrong TV show one time, and then the the algorithm is all screwed up, you know.
1: I think I think mine thinks I'm a furry because it recommended Tigra to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "You're not, you're not wrong, but also you're not right."
2: (laughs) Yeah, you think about how animals fit into their biomechanical suits, pervert. This is
0: this is we have X Force at home.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think I think we got to move on. We're not going to top that.
0: All right, you want to talk Silver Surfer
2: now? Uh, yes, because uh, I enjoyed this one. This is the 1982 Stanley John Byrne um, Silver Surfer, just titled Silver Surfer. And the creative team Stanley, says, Stanley, script, John Byrne, plot, and pencils. I read that as most of the work. Um, Tom Palmer, <laughs> inking and coloring, Rick Parker, lettering, and Jim Shooter, chief, editor. Just It just says chief, but, you know. Uh Silver Surfer is stuck on Earth. He is trapped by Galactus's uh power cosmic and he cannot leave. Um he's dying to get back to his homeworld of Shenla uh, Zenla to his wife girlfriend, Shalabal, his Shalabal. Um which I yeah i I was like Shalabal 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 like it sounds it sounds like something weird I, I don't know it just it was weird to me um he can't get out and then he realizes that with help from the Fantastic Four he can escape the earth um this uh protection that's um keeping him here with um what looks to be just a big old gun. Um, the Fantastic Four fly up with him, and he breaks through, and he's able to go back to his home home world, only to see that it has been destroyed, and he's been blamed for it. Galactus says that it's all his fault, and the people hate him because they've you know everything's in ruins, and they're all you know living in rags and in just you know in, in these little like refugee camps, and uh, he finds out that his. Uh, um, shallow not even there and um he thinks thinks again on what he's what he's been through on earth and remembers there was a woman in latveria who looked just like her and was it was doom's bride and so he figures out oh it wasn't it wasn't dr doom at all it was actually mephisto which based on our track record of our reading mephisto really cares about screwing up relationships
0: it's just it's just funny.
2: He comes back, he finds Shalabal in um in Latveria, confronts her to draw out Mephisto. Um this whole part kinda where he confronts Mephisto and goes into that whole realm and is being attacked by uh demons from the deepest pits, that felt very much like the Disney Hercules when he like dives in to save the girl and he he has to, he like, you know, uh, overcomes anyway. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've more recently seen that than Red Silver Surfer. Um, he's able to get out, and uh, Mephisto can't hurt him, so Mephisto sends Shalabal's life force, her soul, her, her body is transformed into a sphere of pure glowing energy, shoots it out, and Silver Surfer decides he can use his power to let her be free and he'll remain trapped on earth. Um, we see in a epilogue that she does return and uh, her presence is um, uh, enough to bring back life and hope and boundless beauty to her home world. So. I feel
0: like that was... Uh, like the power cosmic like the silver surfer did something to her so now plants grow wherever she walks
2: uh huh uh yeah power cosmic to do that to get her out he says the barrier will stop me but it can't end like this I'm alive I have a brain a soul a will there must be a way of course the power cosmic though it cannot bring her back to me it shall undo the horror Mephisto has wrought and she is sent uh back to uh Zen La and uh yeah it begins to it begins to restore to what it was so I really enjoyed this. Uh, John Byrne's art is terrific. The first time you see Galactus was really cool. There's some great Kirby crackle. There's some great panels of um, just you know great action poses with the surfer. Um, it was you know a little a little bit of um, his backstory. I don't think that had been explored before, and so that's why we get this uh, from Stanley and John Byrne. And yeah, what did you guys think? Yeah.
0: I mean I liked it. Um I I do think this is spinning out of uh I, I think I mentioned a little while ago that I'm trying to read through the Silver Surfer uh like entire catalog, every appearance of the Surfer. Uh-huh. And uh I haven't I, I'm just about to start, or I'm just getting ready to start the the Silver Surfer solo series, the first one, which um this story is directly playing off of. I know enough about it. I read some of it in the distant past. Um, Mephisto is the main antagonist the Surfer faces off against, I, and I believe Mephisto was actually introduced in the Silver Surfer.
2: I'd have to check because I thought he was uh, Fantastic Four only. So, but that would make sense since Silver Surfer came from Fantastic Four. I will look while you, um, yeah.
0: Well, anyway, just like it's playing off of themes and. Stories from the uh, Silver Surfer series, which I have an imperfect knowledge of, but you know, it's also a Stan Lee written book and uh-huh. has a lot of very, very heavy exposition, ex- especially at the beginning. Yeah, which um, I actually I wasn't the biggest fan of the way it started, but once, jeez. Uh, once Mephisto shows up, it's, it's real good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I get that. I just I was like, okay, we're going to get a little bit of like, oh, woe is me, a little melodrama, a little little soapy at the beginning, but it didn't go on as long as I thought it could have, and it wasn't as wordy, and I really liked the art, and so I, I was, uh, I don't know, I, I saw past that because other stuff made me happy. Uh, Mephisto appears in Silver Surfer number three, first, first um, appearance. You were right. Um created by Stanley and John Mishima but yeah
1: i I did think it's um I don't know maybe it's because I've read i feel like I've read enough uh, marvel books featuring galactus, but it it just felt a little obvious that like as soon as he uh you know fought back against galactus, I was like he's gonna go back to to uh, uh what was the name of the place like Zella Zenlaw yeah Zenlaw Zenlaw yeah. I was just like he's gonna go back, you fool, you fool, why would you do that uh, but I, I, obviously I mean obviously I appreciate it uh, you know as a person who lives on earth I appreciate people who would not let earth get destroyed. Uh <laughs> I came out across real weird. It's not surface surface not real. Um, but uh what I'm trying to say here. I yeah, so the him kind of going back and finding out you know it's kind of all been destroyed and he's like what happened? What well, could have possibly happened and the whole time I'm just kind of like, really? You can't you can't think of a single a single thing that would do this? That would just decimate a planet?
0: It's like Quicksilver in Age of Ultron. You didn't see that coming? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. But without you know the crappy fake European accent.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: it's vaguely Russian, but not really. Yeah, I didn't like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it does make sense. But again, it's like when I read the origin of the Silver Surfer, I don't immediately think, you know, or rather the Fantastic Four story where the Silver Surfer first shows up. My first thought was not that, you know, Galactus is going to go back and and trash his own world. Galactus is is a being of honor. Like, he makes a promise. He keeps it and so loophole i guess right well well that's exactly
1: why i did suspect that like right off the bat because it's one of those things where i mean kind of like we read in parable where he's where he is a man of his, of of his word but like very specific that word like he, he, <laughs> he's you know his major in college was planet eating god and his minor was being a lawyer cuz <laughs> Because, like, you know, when we read Parable, his whole thing was like, you, you said you wouldn't, you know, destroy Earth. And he's like, that's true. I'm just standing here, though. I'm not destroying anything.
2: <laughs> so so oh, man, Parable's so
0: good. Yeah, so
1: for him to be like, all right, you're my Herald, but as long as you're my Herald, I'm not going to, you know, eat your planet. And, you know, he fights him back. And it's like, uh, I guess who's fired? And guess what's getting fired up? My belly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Aldo, I would give any amount of money to have you be the voice of Galactus in <laughs> the next time they like they take a crack at the Fantastic Four just be like, get in my belly. Get in my belly. <laughs> I'ma eat your planet. I'm ready for that big apple. <laughs> Ooh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh I feel like I love it every time Mephisto shows up. Like I, I don't think there's been a single Mephisto appearance that I've that we've really yet.
2: Really, I think he's forgetting. Mephisto
0: it. was bad.
2: Oh, um, okay, all right. Because like That's I, a fine you, distinction. I remember
0: when we talked about one more day. It's like Mephisto's actually pretty cool in this. Not good enough to save the story at all, but
2: kind of playing it fast and loose with the word "cool" there. But all right,
0: I, I really like Mephisto as a villain. I. And I think he makes a really interesting foil for the Silver Surfer, which I remember, okay, so we read the Dan Slott uh, Silver Surfer run, at least a little bit of it, and the way that the Surfer interacts with the power cosmic, all of the wild, powerful stuff that he's able to do, for some reason, I didn't realize that that was baked into the character from the beginning, but like... The Surfer can do just crazy stuff. Uh, you know, he turns Shalabal into a life bringer whose very footsteps cause the ground about her to spring to life, which, of course, raises the question if the power cosmic, which the Silver Surfer has, which Galactus gave him, can restore life to a planet, why doesn't Galactus just eat a planet, bring it back to life, eat it again, bring it back to life? But, you know, that's thinking about things too much. Just... It's, but it's interesting, though, because the surfer is so powerful, he needs a different type of antagonist. And yeah. Mephisto is perfect. It's 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 the Superman problem, right? If you've got a character who can functionally do anything, you need someone... You need to be very clever with the way that you deal with his villains. Lex Luthor, I think, is a brilliant subversion, especially the businessman uh, Lex Luthor... Who like Superman can't stop him because Superman obeys the law and can't prove that Luther did bad stuff. And Mephisto makes a really good foil for the Silver Surfer, who is a uh, being of incredible power. Uh, Mephisto takes it to takes the conflict to a moral level, and admittedly, that gets literalized as it, or. Uh, Implemented, actualized as a fist fight between the surfer and Mephisto, but it still works. I, I still think they they are a very good uh, hero villain pairing.
2: That's a good point because it is tricky when you know his powers. It's vague in a way that like they, it's it's kind of like, you know, up to the writer like how how powerful they are. But generally, you know, he's one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel universe. Uh, I always thought the Superman problem was you know. Why not save uh, Kevin Costner from a tornado? Because that would screw up the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, by not doing it's less that. Plus, a
0: problem with Superman and more a problem with Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I,
1: so I've been wanting to read like *Squadron Supreme* because it's the it's the it's the Justice League parody. But I think it's and and part of it like in the past, part of why I wanted to read *Squadron Supreme* was because like I always felt like. Marvel was missing a Superman and it really wasn't until you know I started reading more Silver Surfer that's like no Marvel does does have a Superman it has several of them but I think the one that's more apt is Silver Surfer in the sense that like it were to talk about Stanley's two biggest uh, characters or his favorite or you know whatever. I think you know it always comes down to like Spider-man and Silver Surfer. And I think Spider-Man is who we are as people, who like mm-hmm. Stanley thinks we are, and and probably you know you know our best selves as people, right? Dealing with problems and trying to put ourselves, trying to put others before ourselves, so forth and so forth. But I think to Stanley, the Silver Surfer is kind of Superman in the sense that he is kind of the best that we should be or should aspire to be, right? And and Especially because there's, like, certain elements that, like, Super- Spider-Man doesn't have. And and some of those is, like, you know, reminding ourselves of, like, our humanity and kind of the people and the wonders of, of the world when we're so kind of entranced with, with, you know, the digital or everything out there. We kind of forget to take in some of these smaller uh, kind of beautiful bits of life that the Silver Surfer is constantly kind of being reminded or or taught about um especially like we were reading in the dance lot series where it's like he's so used to being out in the cosmic and doing all these amazing things that he kind of forgets just how amazing all of that is and then like i don't i don't know just kind of his relationship to humans and earth is also i don't know i think i've lost the lead here but (laughs) (laughs) i'm 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 catching what you're throwing. That's good. Yeah. So, so, so I think there's something kind of beautiful about the Silver Surfer, specifically in the way that like Stan Lee writes him, because it feels like when Stan Lee writes the Silver Surfer, it really feels like he wants us to remember about kind of like the wonders of you know just heck, just being alive. Ah. Uh, so like, I don't know. I I think there's some of that in here, and I think, I, I think there's something really kind of interesting about like his his problems aren't that like he can't punch something hard enough his, pr- his problems are that like in trying to do something good he killed he essentially killed like another planet and kind of being reminded of that That that's like the power of consequences and when given the opportunity to put things back in their place you know he sacrifices part of himself or his freedom to be able to give life back to that planet yeah I'm rambling I don't have a script <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of the aspects of the Silver Surfer character that I think is most interesting, at least from the stuff that we've read thus far, is that frequently his uh, willingness to do the right thing is a little bit grudging. Like, he is bugged that he can't leave Earth again. But he's, he doesn't let that resentment stop him from doing the right thing. And I think that's one of the more, like, interesting aspects of the character is that he feels a lot of resentment and a lot of anger. But he knows that just because he doesn't 100% get what he wants, that's not an excuse. He still has to, to try to make things right where he can. And, yeah... It's it's a very simple parable. I mean, not parable because that's the other story. But like the way the Silver Surfer works, it's it's it tends to be very simple. It still works, though. I find myself pleasantly surprised by the character uh, the more I read him, which is good because I'm I'm committed to read a whole bunch more of him.
2: Yeah, I i I feel like this is something I should have been doing all along. Like every time we've read Silver Surfer, I'm like, man, this is good. And there's decades and decades of stuff out there that I know nothing about. You know, I only know where feel the same. Galactus shows up. Oh, no, what are we going to do to trick him to eating something else instead of Earth again? You know, that's that's all. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel uncomfortable knowing that at any point in the comics uh, that Galactus shows up. I know he was pregnant at some point.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, uh, do not want I,
1: yeah, same. Uh, I've I've been burdened with knowledge, so most to you. <laughs> uh, I I was gonna point out that um one of the things I don't did we talk about this the fact that like so okay so interestingly enough when you look at the credits for the issue, it has Stanley credited as the as the script writer, but the story is by John Byrne. And I thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, I think, well, Stan, you know, did the Marvel method. So he said, ah, we're going to have Silver Surfer. And he kind of gave some plot points. And then he did the dialogue. So John Byrne really had to, you know, do the pacing. Like, okay, we're going to, you know, he's going to have some panels here where he's contemplating his his existence. And then he's going to... You know, run into the, the Fantastic Four, and then Mephisto shows up, and you know we we'll get we need some panels of Law, You know, the two of them broke the story, but um, like you know, Stan just kind of like here's here's something to go on. Go draw it, and I'll fill in the dialogue later. You know, he was you yeah. Know, that's, that's well, he did
1: it. part of why I bring that up is because of how much of like a different texture this book has in comparison to like the Mobius book, to Parable. And and part of that was I think it's really interesting, right? Because it, with written, the surfer's dialogue is still you know dramatic. It's, it's very Stanley like.
0: Very Stanley.
1: But it, but I think kind of the texture or the energy of the book is is substantially different. I think Mobius' art and kind of storytelling was a lot more passive. Like it, you breathed a little bit more until you know there was action to be here. This book I feel is kind of uh not frantic there's just a lot more energy to it right the surfer is always like on the move somewhere i don't i don't feel like this book has a lot of time to breathe and at least for me i mean especially towards the end of the book i felt tired not like in the not like in in like i'm I'm tired i want to stop reading this book but more in the sense of like i feel for the surfer i I, it feels like he's been through a lot in just like a little bit here like you know trapped on earth escaped went back to his planet saw all that devastation goes and fights Mephisto and it's just like I I feel tired alongside him and you know towards the end he has to like do yet another thing he doesn't really want to do even though he knows it's the right thing and it's just kind of one of those I I like the energy of the book it's just like a substantially different flavor or texture to it than like Parable
0: and I feel like a lot of that's got to be John Byrne right?
1: yeah exactly exactly which is why I brought that up yeah
0: uh, but, uh, not every artistic choice John Byrne makes is good. Sorry, I just happened to flip to, I think it's page 15, where, uh, Reed and Ben and Johnny Storm are flying off into space with the surfer to shoot the barrier with the gun. The Fantastic Four helmets that they're wearing, those are bad designs. Yeah. I do not like them. But, I mean, the, that's the first image that I kind of grabbed that I wanted to highlight. But then... Go to page twenty nine, and you've got Galactus glorying in the destruction of Zen Law, and he's got energy like shining from his face. You see his teeth black against the the yellow burning cosmic power inside him. That image is so good.
2: Yeah, some when it's when it's good, it's great.
0: Yeah, even the exposition dumps, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Uh, they still kind of work because Byrne carries it really well he draws a mean wicked Mephisto oh man yeah it's a good looking book I also I, I don't know
1: if this has come up in other books that we've read with Galactus but I I like the little bit of detail where he's like hey if I could not you know hurt people uh, to you know satisfy my hunger I would but you know Galactus is number one, so I got a snack. That comes up when he goes back to, uh, to Zenla, was, it, was the name of it? Zen-la? Yeah. yeah. Zenla. Yeah. And he gives him, like, 24 hours to to escape. I was like, oh, that's nice, considering
2: the situation. <laughs> Much more notice than the Vogons gave the entire planet Earth, so. <laughs> oh, God. He posted the plans in the Galactic Planning Council ages ago, but, you know, it's all the way on Alpha Centauri. It's not fair. <laughs> You guys have read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Don't you friggin' lie to me. I have not. Don't you say... Oh, Aldo. I've not even watched the film.
0: I only read it for the first time a couple of years ago, actually.
2: One of my favorite audiobook experiences, because Douglas Adams has a history in radio, and he read his own books. I've read the first five. I think there are others, but... um, the main story, as I understand it, is in five books, and there's some great stuff in there.
0: The version of Hitchhikers that I listened to was narrated, I think, by Stephen Fry.
2: Also great, because I think they were... It books.
0: was also good, yes. Uh, are we ready to rank?
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: Do we have anything else to say about Silver Surfer?
2: Uh, nobody mentioned the
1: title of the story here for Silver Surfer.
0: What's the title?
1: Escape to Terror! Ha! I love it! <laughs> yeah.
0: it was... This is good. This is a good title.
1: Yeah. It's a very Stanley title. Oh my okay. gosh, did you guys ever sorry, sorry. super quick tangent because we're talking about Stanley 5 minutes ago. Uh, did you guys ever read the uh the Stanley writes D- uh, DC comics? I no. know
2: of them, but I I don't want to read Stanley's Batman. Like the the costume design and everything just like gave me the skeeves just. Bleh.
0: I keep seeing it in like uh, discount bins at comic book shops.
1: Yeah, they're not great, uh, but I love them. <laughs> cause see, like he does the Stan Lee thing, and he names, he changes their names, so like it's no longer Bruce Wayne. His name is Wayne Williams, cause alliteration. Alliteration, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, do appre- I do appreciate that he makes Wonder Woman like a not like an Amazonist of like Greek history, but an Amazonist Of the Amazon, because she's Hispanic. (laughs) Uh, And and I I forgot her name. But yeah, something cute about that.
0: (laughs) So currently on our list...
2: Wait, hold on. Aldo said that uh, Surfer is always moving. He's not the Silver Sitter. I just wanted to point that out. We have 143 stories on our list.
0: Which actually went down after last week because of reasons. Hawkeye... Um, hawkeye we consolidated all of hawkeye and so silver surfer performs really well on our list uh silver surfer parable is at currently at number five
1: unlike brute force the silver surfer actually soars.
0: because
1: <laughs> <laughs> the eagle name is soar. sore it's sore call me soar. i'm sorry steven I'm not actually. (laughs) Uh, Uh,
2: (laughs) This is like his proudest moment. This whole episode of these animal puns—a veritable, a veritable stampede of them. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, since we're talking about uh, this mess, uh, where do we want to rank?
2: This mess or this zoo?
1: I'm dead. I'm dying. Careful John is jungle out there.
0: Neither of them were ever heard from again.
2: <laughs> he's gonna bring in he's gonna bring in our, our stunt doubles, Sean and Shaldo. <laughs> Shaldo. <laughs> I don't know what the next closest name to Aldo is. There's a John in every language, but I don't know. I didn't have like a a ready name for Aldo. I so always Shaldo. default to
1: Abelardo. Because that's, the, na- that's the name for the Mexican Big Bird. Oh, yeah, because every country cool. has its own Big Bird for uh, Sesame Street. Yeah. Well, not every country. I think it's every continent. But anyways, so that's not here nor there. Because Mexico's not a continent.
2: Uh, it's part of one.
1: Brute force. <laughs> yeah. Brute force. <laughs> You know what Stephen has to do to like get us back on topic.
2: <laughs> Here's the thing: brute force goes low, but not like into the like I am offended at how bad this is. You know, like some of right. the some of the titles we have.
0: My my ceiling for it is Exiles World Apart, which had more of an idea of what it wanted to be, but I I don't I think it goes lower than that. I just haven't quite found a floor yet.
1: Where Where is that? What number? Uh,
0: that is number one hundred and eight. Or 109, excuse me, 109 on our list.
1: Okay, that's about what I was looking at. for My ceiling for it was uh, that GLX
2: was special. And I think I think it needs to go very low because um, it's not better than Civil War, no matter what Steven says. Um, it is... I would rather read it than Marvel Zombies, so it goes above Marvel Zombies. Um, I didn't mind marvel comics one so much why is it so low was there a lot of problematic stuff
0: i feel like it was a lot of problematic stuff without a lot of good stuff yeah. to balance it and here's the thing i actually think you might be in the right neighborhood because right up right around there number 127 is frankenstein's monster versus dracula which was kind of not what we wanted it to be and not what its potential could have let it be also, I'm a little surprised
1: uh Galacta ended up above Civil War. Yeah. Well, um it's cause you
2: guys voted against it. And <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because Marvel sixteen oh two has um white Native American um Steve Rogers. Roach, oh, yeah. That's and, so bad. And so it's it was so like, bad. well it's not that bad, but somehow Civil War, Civil War get like snuck down.
0: I really don't like Civil War guys.
2: Yeah, we are familiar. <laughs> I like Hawkeye, Aldo like Aldo likes Spider-Man and you really don't like uh, Civil War. Those
0: are the finding character. those are the three genders.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so I think I don't know I, w- I would put it just below Ghost Rider because that you know, quick quick asides to Satan aside. <laughs> um, it okay. still, I don't know. It wasn't trying to sell me anything, you know. This was trying to sell me toys, and like poorly exist. made toys. Yeah, yeah. Because it did so badly, they were like, eh, ah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna put the dolphin in the man suit."
1: It probably exists in China.
2: I don't hate that ranking. I think I put it between Ghost
0: Rider and Marvel Comics number one. Although
1: I'm, I'm inclined to agree.
0: Okay, so that is our new uh, number one twenty nine out of now one hundred and forty four. It's not bad, but, yeah, um, could have, could have, maybe even should have been better. (laughs) Now, oh, gosh, um, Silver Surfer escaped terror, or escaped into terror.
1: How? What? Sorry.
0: Sorry, what was the name of that? Uh, Was this, are you trying to get me to say the search for eternity again? Because, uh, that's not what we're talking about.
1: I'm trying to, that's that's what I'm trying to get you. There's, sir, there is a pause and an exclamation point, okay?
0: (laughs) <laughs> is there actually an ellipses in it there is there's, there's two dashes Oh gosh, that's hilarious okay escape to terror
1: <sighs> y'all yeah, take that for now
2: <laughs> terror you have to give it a real uh, escape to terror Otherwise, there's so many Silver Surfer titles. We have to distinguish. We have to be clear for our listeners who, I mean, in theory, we could have some at some point. (laughs) What if we're a deep dive right now on a binge listen and they're like, huh, huh, maybe these guys have been uh, good all along and I'm just now discovering them. And they go back and they go, they didn't give the right emphasis to Silver Surfer escape to terror.
0: (laughs) Here's th- so I use a feature when I edit the podcast <laughs> called "strip silence." Uh, that joke's not going to land. That's sad. Uh, Leave
2: you in anticipation.
0: Okay, so where do we rank it, though? Um, it's not as good as other Silver Surfer stuff we've read. I don't. No.
2: Think... No.
0: I I'm kind of looking in the thirties. <laughs> that's
1: that's also where I have to look in the in on Tinder though.
0: <laughs> cause I'm old
1: <laughs>
2: let's swipe right for Silver Surfer is right, is right is right, right is if you like him right. I, see I got married before like online dating and everything really took off sorry, not sorry Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been awful at it So
1: I have a hard time putting this above if magic became Sorcerer Supreme I don't know why, don't ask me to justify myself but I feel that
2: See, you guys use that as a floor or ceiling a lot, and I'm like, it was okay, but it wasn't like, I really like this. This is like we get more of his backstory, and it was just, I don't know, a really solid. I really enjoyed it. No, I would just put it like my, I think it, the highest it goes is 27, because looking at this uh, Black Panther story, like it was okay, but I would rather read The Silver Surfer again. So right under Runaways. 27 is Black Bolt. Did I say Black Panther? You said Panther. Yeah. I meant yeah. Black Bolt.
1: It's easy to confuse blackagar again with
2: blackagar Panthergan. Black yeah. Oh,
0: gosh. I don't think this goes even that high. Um, again, I like the Black Bolt story a lot. I am weirdly fond of that What If Magic Became Sorcerer Supreme story. I don't know why, but I am. Same. Yeah. I can't justify...
1: I can't put it into words. Listen to that episode, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um, <sighs> it goes above forever. It yeah. goes above
2: which are both good, but yeah.
0: Yeah, like, these are these are good books. I don't know that I want to put it higher than Gifted. Even though, oh, I don't know, all of a sudden I'm worried about going back and reading it and finding out it's actually hyper-sexist and we just didn't notice because of all the, like, veneer of feminism. Josh Whedon's having a bit of a reckoning and I don't know how I feel about it.
1: Oh yeah, that does change my emotions on some of his... Stuffly, Fred
2: makes you look at Dollhouse a lot differently, and it was already kind of like. Mm. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing about Age of Ultron, is how many like down blouse shots there are of like the Hulk.
2: Nah, no, I don't remember that.
0: Random citizens of Sokovia fleeing destruction. Like they're running, and you the camera is situated so you can see their cleavage. It's it's weird. And it's kind of gross. And, uh, I don't know. Anyway.
1: Are you sure it's not just, like, to make them look slash feel insignificant and small and in danger?
0: I don't know very often how, like, highlighting a woman's cleavage makes them look small.
1: Well, I'm at the point
2: of view.
0: That was a little bit of a tasteless joke, and I apologize for it, <laughs>
2: but... Hey, Steven, I mean, I, you might have watched it more recently than me, but you remember there, there was a whole army of robots attacking a flying city, right? Like... I don't remember yes, how. Why many, are don't...
0: you showing the woman's cleavage and not the army of robots?
2: No, I just don't. I'm just saying I don't remember the one because decision. Of the other. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. I just, I just have. I've watched Age
1: of Ultron twice: once when it came out, and again when it came out on home media. Uh, so I don't remember much of anything in that, except for
2: there's some really good stuff THR. in that. I think that people are harsher on it than they needed to be. John, yeah, watch it again. Oh. <laughs> Now it feels like homework and I'm gonna be, feel bad about myself. I don't I mean I don't I don't doubt you. It's just Because
0: oh. here's the thing, I agree with you. Like I thought that it had a lot of good stuff in it, that it was it was worth revisiting um, James
2: Spader. Yeah. Great.
0: It, it it it's not worth going to to bat for. They're they're oh yeah, well. Anyway, um yeah, let's let's put this above uh Josh Whedon. I just I just talked myself into it.
1: I'm okay with that. I feel like John would want it to be a little higher up than that, but... You think it should go below Squirrel Girl? Yes. No. I mean, I have a bias. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Ryan North.
2: <laughs> I think Squirrel Girl was perfect for what it was and what it needed to be, but I can understand if it's not your bag.
1: I just, see, see I, personally, I don't have a problem putting it above Squirrel Girl. I feel like above the boys are bag is when I start struggling. Cause part, cause part of it for me is that I really like the cosmic, grandiose, theatrical aspect of Stanley Silver Surfer, which is something that not a lot of the books in this area have. But also, I like, I like the boys are back. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I mean, for the sake of keeping the conversation short, I'm cool with put this Too above late. gifted and below finally woman thread.
0: You know what? Let's do it. Let's put it between boys are back and squirrel power.
1: Yeah. <laughs> i'm happy
0: okay so that's our new number 35 yay okay uh, so for next time uh we've got another double feature uh we're gonna read uh the 2017 series unstoppable wasp and then we're gonna follow that up with uh all new dupe dupe is one of the dumbest character names i swear um, but here's the thing, I don't actually know that much about the character. I, I read a little bit of the uh, Ecstatics story arc that was, uh, I don't remember who the writer was right now, Mike Allred did the art, and it was what if the X-Men, but they were reality TV stars. Uh, it was actually pretty good, Dupe was in it, but I don't remember much about him, certainly not enough to understand why he gets a five-issue miniseries. Oh, it was Peter Milligan, who, who is also writing this.
1: The the only thing I... Uh, God, I feel uncomfortable having this knowledge and I feel like I have to share it. Oh God, uh, it's the, one of
0: those,
1: huh? Yeah, the only... <laughs> the only thing I like really remember or know about Dupe is apparently he's sexually active. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't remember in what I read that that came up, but like they made a point of pointing that out. and I, I, Ever since that, that's all I've ever known about him. Or it... Cause I still don't know, and That's I I feel uncomfortable. Like yeah, I, yes. Yeah. So there you go.
0: For our listeners who maybe don't know who Dupe is, imagine if Slimer from the Ghostbusters was also a pickle.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm pickle Slimer. Oh gosh. <laughs>